everybody. It's Radio Trivia Podcast Edition Time, episode 132. And with me this week, we have Mr. Burns himself, Greg Lay. Excellent. Hoi <laughs> <laughs> hoi. Uh, 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 Mr. Burns, yeah, that's true. I should have done that hoi hoi in the Burns yeah, that's voice. That's why I said it, it's not, it's not his ca- That's not his catchphrase, though. Excellent is. So, yeah, you but, know. but he answers the phone that way. He does. At least, I know, at least that in is, one episode. That is the way I got That's how I got there originally. Just for the anachronism. Because, yeah, I mean, with Burns, he was just operating a telephone. For me, the irony of doing it in an international Skype call was just so much more. I'm glad to be back for another year. I've pinched another couple of months. <laughs> Last you year have. it was, it was uh, um, March, I think. It was late February, I think. Late February or March, yeah. So, so I've pinched. I can't pinch any more months now. This is it. You know, we're recording fairly early in January, so it's going to have to be a whole year after this. It's going to be tough. So How are you going to hold out, man? Well, it's going to. It's going to be tough because the thing is, I mean, listening to radio trivia has become kind of a knife-edge experience. You know, the one I enjoy hearing uh, games that I have played, you know, or maybe guessing a few that are more obscure that I might have had a limited exposure to. But sometimes you hear it and it's like, oh yeah, I love this. Oh no, no, and I can't talk about this now. The next time, well, you know, it's like, what, well, there's 3D world. <laughs> you snooze, you lose. Tropical freeze, one episode short. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Oh, you know, so it's, um... <laughs> That, that, that having to wait the whole 12 months is going to be tough, but hopefully Nintendo will make it easier by churning out more really good soundtracks, uh, which they've uh, been more, doing. More David Wise music that you can talk about? Or something yeah, or it's, it's, it's going to be, that's, 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 that was a unique opportunity, because if you look back at David Wise, actually, he was very prolific in the sort of Super Nintendo, an earlier kind of phase with Rare, but he, I think he only he did moved one, on. He only did one of Rare's N64 games. You might have thought there'd be a lot, you know, more, considering how how many games they did on the N64 you think there'd be more that you maybe yeah. you know we hadn't covered yet on the show you could go back to but there isn't I think it was Diddy Kong Racing and that's it so yeah uh, I do love uh, David Wise's uh, Tropical Freeze soundtrack some of his others but uh, we've got some good games here not to tip the hand but uh, we've got some quality stuff I think for the lined up for this episode and of course as always one game that I don't know just so I can be a, be a bit of a fool in the middle <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, man. Um, as uh, as usual, you have one import title, right? I do, I like do have do it. I don't do it every time, but sometimes, you know, if I feel like putting something in there that otherwise would never get on the show, uh, I feel like, yeah, I'll put I one in I give you a there. long leash, man. Uh, you do, you do. It's, it's very generous of you in, in very many ways. <laughs> so we're going to go on to the first game here. So turn on your ears and... Try to figure this one out.
quite a rousing and grandiose uh, way to kick off the proceedings. I think you'd agree. Yeah, that's a really interesting song. <laughs> By the way, you're kind of a dick for uh, for choosing this game first. <laughs> you don't have to put that qualifier on it.
Really love this very eclectic mix of instruments in that song. Yeah, they have, uh, what, what would you call that, uh, Gregorian uh, chant there? It's something there, like something? that, yeah. There's a lot of different stuff in there for your ears to chew on to mix metaphors very ghastly way. Uh, but <laughs> I'm <laughs> so, chewing on my own ears right now. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I've got a bonus slash hint question prepared that might be able to help. <laughs> it's probably Go been a, it. a bit optimistic. But uh, which of this game's modes references a 1984 arcade game?
Well, I, don't, I hope everyone's sort of pretty vexed about what this game is now, because I think if, without any kind of context, I'd be pretty baffled after those three songs. If you told me these songs were from Kid Icarus Uprising, I would totally believe you. Uh, yeah, that's not a yeah, because that's got quite a sort of uh, you know. Obviously, you got the live instruments and then some sort of eclectic elements. Or I mean, like that last song is sort of simultaneously quite beautiful, but also funky, which is a little yes. weird yeah, <laughs> as a is. mix. You know, but uh, I should spill the beads. This game is Mr. Driller Drill Land. Uh, exclusively for Japan uh, on the GameCube. So that's that import game out of the way straight away, which I've not done before. Uh, But yeah, this uh, is part of the Mr. Driller series from uh, Bandai Namco that that started, I think, back in 1999 in the arcades. Uh, This is uh, a puzzle game, right? Yes, it's kind of a... a, 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 It's a sort of a falling block puzzler, but it's, it's also more of an action game. Uh, that that might uh, first make it sound because you're uh, this little character, uh, not necessarily Mr. Driller, because there's a number of characters in some of the most, but uh, yeah, that, that's kind of work drilling his way down to a goal. Um, and as you do so, the blocks are coloured that you're drilling through, so you can like set up kind of combos and the blocks disappear and all that. But at the same time, you know, you have to worry about things falling on top of you. Uh, you have to worry about your air supply running out and all that. So it's kind of a action puzzle fusion of a game but yeah it's still not necessarily that kind of lavish music is not necessarily what you'd expect for that kind of game (laughs) a game that started in the arcade and indeed even at this point in this gamecube exclusive you know purposefully made for a home console edition of the series it's still the sound design when you're actually playing the game maintains a lot of that arcade ethos so for instance when you frequently collected the kind of air capsules that sustain your life as you're drilling downwards Every time you get one, it'll say "lucky," like that. So well, the lot, Japanese. Yeah, you know, it's it's like such a Japanese arcade thing. That well, it's this came of, out in two thousand two. It, it is a, a contemporary of the Mario Advance series. Well, they, that's I suppose that's a fair point. But it just seems that's like you know. Yeah, <laughs> actually, it wasn't. I wanted to keep that feather. <laughs> And, and you, you gave me a fire flower, damn it. <laughs> uh, I do look forward to the Super Mario World Advance version coming out on the Virtual Console. But, yeah, Why? I mean, but, uh, you know, the um, the fact is, I guess, a lot of arcade games, to me anyway, when I, well, on the rare occasions that I ever sort of ventured in to places that had a lot of them, they seem to be competing with their noisiness. You know, they wanted to kind <laughs> yes. of talk at you... And ooh, you know, it, it, it sort of gather your attention and stuff, and just be loud and uh, kind of annoying. But you know, they had to rise above the din of everything else, right? So, you know, and I think that may have sort of begun that kind of ethos with the sound design. But it still kind of makes its way into even like a dedicated home version like this. Uh, and you know, that's why it's really nice to kind of, even though I have the game, I, I've played it quite extensively. Uh, it's nice to present the music. By itself because it really shines without all that stuff layered on top of it very old school sound design no, it, it is an interesting mix, quite a sort of anachronism in itself. It's interesting to note the sort of history behind uh, the, the, the soundtrack here. So, um, this, the composer of this particular soundtrack is a man named, I think it's Masaru Shida, 
Uh, oh, he's also sort of more popularly known as Go Sheena for some reason. I'm not sure why that's his nickname. But uh, he was a, a sort of an in-house Bandai Namco composer, and I think he joined the company not that long before the first Mr. Driller was was released in the arcades, and he did some songs for that, but not all of them. And then. It was the, the I think that one of the sequels in the arcade, Mr. Driller G, that for some reason he got not only to do the whole soundtrack, but they let him use like live instruments and all this kind. So it was a similar style to what you're hearing here, mm. but actually for an arcade game, you know, in that mm. case. Uh, uh, and I guess this was just kind of a natural extension of that so for whatever reason you know they gave him kind of carte blanche to do whatever he wanted to do and uh, came up with some really cool stuff and he's worked on loads of uh, Bandai Namco stuff since Uh, he's kind of I think quite well known for doing a few Tales games although of course Sakuraba is kind of mainly who you think of with the Tales games Uh, I think he did Tales of Legendia um, Mr. Sheena uh, he's done some Tekken games some Ace Combat games the other kind of stuff you'd expect someone uh, of, uh, from the band I know her to do so you know but this is I think it's fantastic soundtrack uh, really really good and even though it is a bit lost in the sound design and all that I can tell you that it does improve the experience of playing the game quite a lot because like not long ago I just got like another Mr. Driller game Another Japan exclusive one that's very well thought of, as this one is by the sort of the, the series connoisseurs, uh, Mr. Driller Ace for the Game Boy Advance, and that actually has like some of the same songs, you know, in, in terms of the, you know, the sort of uh, just the basic melody or something. But it's it's kind of in that GBA when it was using the GBC chip for sounds, kind of <laughs> uh, uh, yes. harmony of dissonance mode. Yes, yes, and yes. It, it does detract from the, the experience compared to the, the lavish uh, sound that you've got on show here. Um, and I think, actually, there's kind of two phases to Mr. Driller's life cycle. There's the first five years after the first arcade game where Bandai Namco basically put it on everything they could. It was on PlayStation 1, it was on Dreamcast, it was on Wonderswan, it was on Game Boy Color, number of GBA games, one of which is now on the... Uh, the GBA Virtual Console on Wii U uh, and then of course on GameCube in this case and all that uh, the, all the way up to being on DS and then it went quiet for a few years and then at the end of the last decade, so 2008-2009 it shows up on a bunch of digital platforms, so it was Xbox Live WiiWare, DSiWare and uh, yes, mo- I think there was a mobile version at least at some point and you know, since then it's just kind of completely disappeared but I think sort of with some of those digital versions that came later some of these songs from this game anyway I'm not sure specifically the ones we played here but they um, they have been reused you know over again because I mean why not <laughs> nobody probably heard them at the time because I can't imagine it did a lot of great business on GameCube in Japan to be honest this particular one, Drill Land for the GameCube, is generally regarded to be one of the most content-rich of, of the series because it kind of offers you five different variants on the gameplay uh, in the guise of this theme park where each one is a different attraction. And you know, some of them are a bit kind of frivolous, like it's not really that different from the regular sort of mode. But then there's others where there are really quite significant differences. Like, for instance, uh, there's a horror theme where you, you, you don't create combos 
so much. It's not really about that. It's actually about drilling down while avoiding these sort of ghosts uh, that, that will sort of sap your air supply if you drill into them. And then you have to find a vial of holy water and actually inject that into the ground before drilling it and collecting the ghosts who have been sort of crystallized by the holy you water. Me. <laughs> you know, so the point is there are actual sort of substantive differences in some of these modes. So you, you kind of do those on increasing levels of difficulty and then once you do them you know or like all five you get like a little sort of boss race kind of thing and then you move on to another round of challenges so there's a good amount there and also not that i've ever tried these out but quite a lot of multiplayer stuff too being on the gamecube so i think that's why it's got a good reputation but that does also tie into the bonus question which was which of this game's most re- uh, references a 1984 arcade game that would be the whole of Druaga referencing of course the Tower of Druaga uh, not the Tower of Drillaga as a, re- a recent RFN episode <sighs> title was uh, that might have been more apt than the whole of Druaga but that's I'm guessing that's just how it comes out when the Japanese is translated uh, but that is like a bit of an RPG mode Again, this is something they've done in other Mr. Driller games to some extent, but in this case you've actually got like a maze to uh, find your way through, you have to get keys in some cases, maybe like walk back to another place and then eventually find the boss and kill that by you know creating certain combos or using these gems that you've collected that destroy blocks and all that, so there's a, there's a decent amount of variety when you consider it is, you know, at least on the surface of it, just a, a falling block puzzle game kind of thing. Cool. Well, we do need to move on to the next game here. Absolutely. There's your import title. and Out uh, of the way, don't have to worry about that. All, all kosher from now on, all uh, domestic.
That's pretty damn catchy. I'd be tempted to whistle along with it if the game didn't do it for me. <laughs> it's kind of a creepy whistle, though. <laughs> That's true, yeah. A little bit. Not quite Mario Kart whistling. Nothing creepy about that, just good, clean fun, I would dare say. Uh, but uh, I think some people may have an inkling about uh, this game at this point, so I, I'll, I'll hope this bonus-slash-hint question sort of uh, thickens the plot a little bit. Uh, many of this game's unlockable stages reuse music from which previous instalment in the series...
gorgeous, gorgeous last song. I hope you agree. Well, I'm always partial to the Hirokazu Ando songs in these games. And I, I was a hero one, but um, right. I don't know. I guess Jin brought his game this time. Uh, this is a very, very good soundtrack in its series. Uh, if you haven't guessed it already, this is Kirby Triple Deluxe for the 3DS. And yes, the, the, the team of John Ishikawa and Hirokazu Ando have been uh, making Kirby soundtrack uh, together for goodness, well, two, you know, 20 odd years now, more than 20 years. I, I think since maybe Kirby's Adventure. Yeah, it might actually. I think um, Ando got there a bit later than Ishikawa, so I don't know whether he was there for the very beginning of the of the Kirby series, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, the consistency uh, of, of the the fact those two have done pretty much all the major Kirby games you would look at of course Kirby's put into a lot of different stuff so mm-hmm. I don't think that necessarily would both have worked on all the spin-offs or anything like that but it's impressive really because I mean with a lot of Nintendo's long running series you, you know obviously you'd have some like Koji, Koji Kondo would have a sort of seminal role but then over time the the composers would kind of come and go and mix around and mm-hmm. stuff and, but with Kirby it's just remarkably consistent this pair uh, who were both at Hal you know before Hal really kind of got fully absorbed into Nintendo have uh, yeah. kept that same kind of spirit going all throughout even to the point now where you've got your know, radically different you know, instrument quality and all that kind of stuff it still retains the same kind of flavour and that's the thing about I've, I've, I've always been a little bit hesitant to put a Kirby game in one of my lineups before even though I've, I've liked the soundtracks for years because they're usually so recognisable like instantly they're very Kirby it's like oh yeah that's a Kirby song because it, I mean yeah. there's the, the up-tempo nature of them is, is usually a, a pretty dead giveaway you know they're always so kind of upbeat and kind of bit whimsical and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so it just had certain you know instruments would kind of give themselves away on earlier hardware I mean a good example is uh, uh, Kirby's uh, Pinball Land uh, that, that yeah. you used recently you know I've never played that but as soon as I heard it it's like it's a Kirby game it's on the Game Boy I can pretty <laughs> much I can, you know you, you're nailing it down from there uh, but I, I will, one thing I will say is once you've got there to the 3DS and, th- and this was true on Wii as well with, with uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland or Kirby's Adventure Wii if you were in Europe um, is that <laughs> the, the yeah, very imaginative title? The, uh, the 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 instrument quality has got to a point where like they can be very varied, you know, more varied, you know, because I think there's certain aspects of those songs that we just played that were not just like your typical signature Kirby stuff. Um, but you still get that in there, and of course they reference the Kirby anthems, your your your, your gourmet race, your green greens, or your, the, the sure, or DDD's theme, all that kind of stuff. Like they reference those. There's some really nice kind of versions of those mixed in and all that. So you know, it's it's very much a Kirby soundtrack, but it's got this kind of richness to it now that's that's really nice and, and uh, a, a great part of what is overall a very impressive presentation for this game on 3DS so the, the visuals are great the way it uses the 3D is great it's just presented beautifully there, I will say that there is one part about the presentation that I found very disappointing uh, as someone who just finished playing the main game I, I, All right. I literally got it at, it was on my uh, Hanukkah list and, I, and so I got it for Hanukkah and I, when Greg recommended this game for, for the lineup I was like okay well I'll start with that one and uh, I'll defer some of the other games I was planning on playing. So I, I just finished playing through this game, or at least the the first go around. Um, 
and uh, the CG uh, videos, like beginning and the end, I could have done without that. I felt like that, that there was no, there wasn't really any. I don't mind them to them, and, and they didn't look very good. <laughs> yeah, I, I they, they were a bit extraneous, weren't they? Uh, they had those in Wii, Kirby's Adventure Wii as well, didn't they? They had these little um, videos in there for some reason. I, 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 I'm not really, I mean, it didn't really bother me, but they just seemed a bit fluffy. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure why they bothered to, to, you know, to go the extra mile, if you like, because uh, it's not like... It wasn't like the, the models were that good in it, either. Just uh, blurry, compressed. They should have just done it in the engine, or... or yeah, I mean, if you're going to you do know, it CG, well, you would think you would do it, like, very lavish, you know, very, yeah. very kind of... But, but it wasn't, so it's, it was a bit odd, but, you know, I mean, just the actual gameplay part of it, you know, the way... I mean, like, it's not any like gameplay-wise. It's not like oh, you could only ever do this in 3D or anything. Because you you just switching layers. You know, I mean, DKC Returns did that in, in mm-hmm. 2D before it was a 3DS game, of course. Uh, but you know, it's just compared to stuff like New Super Mario Brothers 2 and uh, Yoshi's <laughs> New Island. You know, the, the the way it's using the 3D display is is so much more fun, so much more imaginative and playful. And you know, it's not anything. Like you know, game changing or incredible, but it just adds to the whole kind of charm of the game, and and it's just nice to see someone put some actual thought and creativity into how you can play with it with that kind of uh, you know, visual sort of trickery. And to its credit, too, um, I tended to switch between uh, 3D and 2D because you know, sometimes I'm playing in bed or whatever and can't. I don't have that new 3DS uh, newness. Oh yeah, you know. the, the head tracking. Um, <laughs> So I turn off, and to the game's credit, they, they actually do a really good job of uh, subtly emphasizing what layer you're actually playing on, so it, it'll be slightly darker if you're not on that layer, so most of the time I could still tell what was going on, even though it really does play with layers. There's always at least two layers going on in the screen, sometimes even more. Yeah, that, that's cool, because I, I played with 3D on 100%, so I never really got to evaluate that. I think there are times when you use it a gyroscope, control but it will kind of uh you bring the three i don't think it quite switches it all the way off but it, it kind of nullifies the depth effect almost you know it, it gets it down to a nub because of course that's where you know before the great advance of the new 3ds uh you know the 3d would get really kind of wonky if you had a big separation of depth uh, if you're turning it and stuff and yeah I mean that the, the gyroscope bits are fine with me I, I don't really have any uh, kind of complaint with those either but you can I, use the stick whenever you want yeah stick. a lot of the time you could do different things anyway so it, it's never all that obtrusive but I mean the uh, the, the, the bonus slash hit question I should mention uh, is uh, where many of this game's unlockable stages reuse music from Kirby's Return to Dreamland on Wii and, and the reason why I laced this question in there is because uh, I wanted to mention something, uh, when Kirby's Return to Dreamland featured on this show uh, Guillaume was on and he mistakenly guessed this game, <laughs> Triple Deluxe, instead <laughs> yes. and uh, you know, that might seem embarrassing uh, considering how much he, he loved the Wii game um, you know, so I kind of wanted to come in for his defence here because the fact is that you've got this series of stages in Triple Deluxe that use exactly the same songs as ones that are in the Wii game. 
Except, in, not, to, but, and to my defense, I didn't even know that. No, that was actually you used two of them by total coincidence, right? You happen to use two songs that from the Wii game that would go on to be reprised oh, in, in the 3DS game. I'm sorry, Guillaume. I didn't well, it's, know. You know that was. It's, no, it's not your fault. It's just an unfortunate happenstance there. But uh, you know, well, I'm lucky like, you didn't choose three. Well, you could have done because there's enough of them. But I mean, they're not, um, yeah, they're not remixes or anything. They are literally the songs, you know, the, the, just yeah. straight out. So that's how that happened. And that is the sort of thing that I live in the you know, cold sweat fear of, uh, which is why I end up doing four games that I actually know, apart from just the general sort of low nature of my character and being a painfully insecure control freak. That that is the you know, it's that sort of moment that I live in fear of. Uh, so I well, just want I, I don't I don't have that liberty anymore, uh, given how many episodes we've done. So I have to just uh, <laughs> yeah. roll no, the I, dice, and sometime it's going to come up on uh, craps, and I'll lose. You know. I wanted to get that in there just uh, to kind of maybe square that circle for anybody that was a bit confused by how Guillaume could misidentify that game. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, the music was really great in that game as well. And uh, I, I might give the edge to Triple Deluxe just a little bit in terms of the soundtrack here. I mean, in terms of the game, the Wii game's beefier. It's, it, it, there's more there, and uh, you've got the multiplayer, of course. So if, if you can, if you can you know, have the friends to pull that off, I think that's quite a lot of fun. But, I mean, the one thing I do like about Triple Deluxe is the puntastic unlockable mode, which I don't know whether you would have unlocked yet or, or not. Too, is this the DDD mode? Yeah, DDD Tour. Yeah, I, I played the first uh, level of that uh, just to see what it was like. It seems fun. It, it kind of substitutes for the EX mode that you had in Kirby's Adventure for Wii. But um, it, what I like about it is it's actually a good way of replaying the game in that it, it adds a few little things like slightly different bosses and stuff. But... The other thing that it adds, and it kind of changes it because you can't use copy abilities with DDD. He's just got his own ability set. Right. It, it, it's very much in the same uh, style as the Meta Knight mode in Kirby's Return to Dream, or not Return to Dream, yeah, Superstar Ultra, Night, or, Kirby Night, Nightmare in Dreamland, which was the oh, remake Nightmare of Dreamland. That was yeah the remake of Kirby's Adventure. Yeah. So that was the GBA remake of Kirby's Adventure, right? Where they had a yeah. unlockable Meta Knight mode where you're just sort of a time attack. Which is very similar to what they're doing with the DD mode. Yeah, no, that is the same. But what, what I like about what they do with this time attack mode that makes it sort of a good way to replay the game is that they do actually strip certain parts of the game out. Because mm. what you have in the regular levels quite often is Kirby where he uses the hypernova ability, where he right. kind of has this you know, ridiculous ability to like, suck anything. Yeah, no matter how preposterously large and you kind of use it to <laughs> kill a whole bunch of enemies at once or maybe do a minor little puzzle thing and all that and I think yeah, you know, I quite like those bits in the game um, for, you know, a bit of a change of pace kind of uh, break up the levels a bit but I don't think they're as good if you were replaying the game because you've kind of sometimes there's like a visual gag involved there's like a riff on the um, the three pigs I think uh, oh, in yes, one of them you know, and, and there's a lot of fairy tale stuff in this because it's basically Kirby be in the beanstalk like that's the case going up a giant stalk uh, the whole game but you like um the point is those gags and things like that they don't you know kind of work so well the second time necessarily so with in the ddd mode all those bits are just taken out so the levels are kind of cut down and streamlined and then they also make a thing of like certain puzzle rooms that were there before you can go in them 
and if you solve it, you will actually find a warp that helps you skip a whole bunch of the level and therefore shave some of your time off and things like this. So it's quite, you know, it adds a really different kind of perspective to the game. And the only thing I'm really disappointed about with DDD Tour is that it doesn't have online leaderboards. Because it would be great for me to contextualize my time somehow with other people. The only no, way you can do it because is. Because Nintendo. Well, you know, they, to be fair, they, you know, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, with Smash Brothers, at least they have that GSP thing. Yeah, you know, to give you an idea of like, okay, well, on this mode, my score is you know, better than this many people's score, and on another one, it's not as many. So maybe I should work on that. You know, that just something, something like that. But all you do have is Street Pass, and I did get a couple of Street Pass. I was surprised to get that many, to be honest, with people that had a DDD to a time. But I would love to to get more because I kind of worked on it a bit, and I would just like to see, you know, is it half decent or is it totally rubbish? Have I found quite a lot? the warps or not like you know just yeah. just just curious but i guess i could put it on me verse and invite people to post their times hmm. there's always that so yeah, i shouldn't i shouldn't complain when i haven't exhausted every avenue but anyway a, a very <laughs> lovely game and a fantastic soundtrack thank you guillaume for recommending this game to me because uh, i did enjoy it very much so yay i'm over my kirby frustration <laughs> <laughs> Squeak squads can still go to hell. Sorry. Well, that was the the, the death throes of flagship, wasn't it? That was that, that was, was quite a yeah, different I, time. In, uh, yeah, I'm life. I'm sure that that uh, that game was a uh, victim of other circumstances. Yeah, as much as anything, they really seem to have got things very squarely on track with with the Wii game, and now this game. After you know, he gets Kirby gets put in a lot of stuff, but you know, his core kind of games, you know, they went on a bit of a break, didn't they? After like Kirby sixty four, because you, you know they were gonna do one on the GameCube, but they never quite got round to it, and they had all these different ideas, including a very cartoony one that looks amazingly beautiful <laughs> that they should, but we never saw that, and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's nice to see that he's got his feet under him again now with the, with the platform stuff yep 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 yeah the soundtrack here makes me look forward very much to uh the uh, canvas curse sequel oh yeah yeah that that uh, you know it's 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 chilling to me that it's been 10 years since the original canvas curse but uh i i'm really looking forward to that big fan of the original and the graphics are great again it looks like it's going to be just top-notch presentation and they've got multiplayer this time so it's interesting oh i didn't even oh geez I yeah that. one player is doing drawing the lines but then other people control model these like in a more conventional way so it's that whole you know uh, asymmetric thing going on that they like yeah. so much Alrighty, we gotta move on, Greg. Oh, and this is the one where I, you know, where the cold sweat starts breaking out. So, mm. <laughs> well, we'll see how you do. Yeah.
a kind, kind man, T1. <laughs> uh, There's a little bit of Coltrane in that song there. <laughs> yeah, well, I could certainly uh, mop the uh, previous sweat from my brow and not worry about any more for me at this point. Famous last words.
already bringing back lots of memories. Some good, quite a lot bad. <laughs> well, that's that's one of my favorite songs for this game, so I, I had to bring it in. It's good stuff. I've got lots to say about that song, actually. You've, you've been uh, knocking these choices out of the park. It's not like you can pick many bad songs from this game, but you, no. you, they, they do some cracking choices. Thank you. I I worked on it. I hope it shows. So here's your question. Mm-hmm. Which location features its own distinct result screen music? an interesting ethical question that we might have to get into uh, but uh, please uh, enlighten everyone as to what this game is I think I, well perhaps I should do it for the sake of the argument it's Mario Kart 8 <laughs> it is Mario Kart 8 and it was requested by Tyler Hawks um, and I assume that the ethical question is do you include DLC music or not yes it, 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 and he, he had requested multiple DLC tracks and, oh. and so I, I paired it back and said no I I like the selections you made, but I, I wanted to only do one DLC because it really isn't fair to to heavily weigh it on uh, songs not everyone had the opportunity. I mean, look, are you you're to probably going to get it from the first two songs anyway because it's yeah. just got Mary has got a very distinctive kind of sound to it because of the the live instruments in a Mary Kart setting for the first time. It's it, it just you know it pretty much every song, even if they're you're doing a Super Nintendo uh, track originally, or a GBA one, or whatever. It, it, it sounds like Mario Kart 8 to me. Everyone I've played, mm-hmm. an enormous amount of Mario Kart 8. A fair amount of it with the sound off, with uh, off TV play, to be fair. But still, <laughs> I've heard these songs very many times. Uh, yeah, it's are. a good soundtrack, and it really does, uh, along with kind of the bringing stuff into 3D. 
and, and kookiness, even even the old tracks, some of the soundtracks so sound so much different or oh, so in, much in general better. Yeah. Uh, like like the GBA Mario Circuit song. Oh yeah. my god, that's so much better. Some of them it just feels like oh this is what they were going for. I know I've said similar things before about like live orchestrations, but it, yeah, like the, the Peaches Speedway or whatever. The one I absolutely love is the uh, Yoshi. Um, what was it called again? The Yoshi one, where there's a, it's um, and it was used on Moo Moo Farm as well on the N64. Uh, uh, in Block Fort? Uh, no, it was. Uh, it, it's it's like um, what's it called? Yoshi like, Valley. Yoshi. It's not Yoshi, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it's Yoshi Valley. But, but there's like a little thing on the side that says it's like a Yoshi home or something, <laughs> like some some <laughs> sanctuary for Yoshi's or something. But yeah, like the the uh, the version of that song from the N64 version. Um, which I think, like I said, was not only used on the Yoshi track, but on the Moo Moo Farm track. But yeah, with, with this one, you know, they have, have that fiddle in it. The, you know, the, re- the real fiddle and all that. It, it's right. so fun. It's so much yeah. fun. That is brilliant. It, it basically replaces the N64 version in, in my head. It's like, okay, well, that's that's the version of that song. Yeah, this this is what they were going for. You know, again, I mean, this is the real deal, and it's so good, and it just you know, really to make you wonder why they didn't do this before, because it's uh, I don't know, there's just something about it. It just adds this really joyful kind of dimension to the game. I feel like, uh, which is sometimes needed, because you know, uh, Mario Kart has a tendency to enrage uh, given certain yeah. circumstances. But you know, it, it, it's just. You know, certain songs, I mean, certainly, uh, like, you know, 3D World, Double Cherry Pass, which you used yeah. when you did that game, or, like, uh, Windmill Hills, uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, just pure audio joy, distilled <laughs> and poured into your ears, and there's quite a lot of this Mario Kart soundtrack that kind of approaches that, I think. Well, uh, I, I am a, uh, in case people haven't been able to tell from my song selections, I'm a very big fan of the new uh, big band... Yeah. Uh, slash jazz era of Nintendo it's, first party soundtrack. I, I love it. Long may it continue. It's fantastic. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Uh, that, it's interesting though some of the dynamic elements in the songs because like oh, yeah. for, for, like the first track there uh, I believe is from an underwater level where you kind of only hear the, the, the sax when you're above water. I oh, think. Yeah. Yep. So yep. we got to kind of hear it a bit differently from what you hear it in the game. Because you know you're always going to spend you know the certain amount of that you know certain amount of that track is underwater, so you're just gonna you know you know this certain unless you are running really fast or really slow, you know there's certain parts of the song that you you're always going to hear with the one kind of instrumentation rather than the other, um, and so it was nice to actually hear the full set. There was actually some of that I don't think I'd ever heard. Um, it, that is why I chose that as the first song. No, that's I, I don't. I wasn't sure that people would recognize it. No, that, that's clever. And it's an awesome song. <laughs> it is really, really good. Love that. Absolutely. I'm not such a huge fan of that track, actually, mainly because the the customized cart that I have sucks underwater. But the the the, the, the song is great. And then with the second one, that's Mount Wario, isn't it? Uh, and oh yeah. Now the thing about, about oh, Mount yeah. Wario yeah. That's, that's really cool is it's a point to point race. Yes, I, about, I love this. I love so this about that game. With point-to-point races, they can have songs that actually progress more, that aren't just about loops, which, of course, you know, well, most tracks are just loops, you know, so it makes sense that the, the music would reflect that, apart from the fact that it speeds up in the final lap. But because about Wario, you're actually going through these, you know, three 
phases of the race as you go down the mountain it develops you know and, it, and the different phases kick in as you reach yep. certain points on the track and it just increases this sense of you know something building to a kind of dramatic climax and that's what we're going to talk about the memories you know just that music and then like oh god you know gonna, am i gonna get this guy with a shell and pip him right, to the finish line and yeah, oh yeah you know the bit where you're coming down the dam and then you're going between the trees and all that you know it just brings it all back because it's much more like those specific bits are associated with those bits of the track to me because of the way it's sort of sequenced and so i would love it if they did more of those i think they're fantastic i was gonna ask is, is that a new thing introduced in this game because I miss Mario Kart 7 yeah Mario Kart 7 did have some point to point races because like, I think one of the woohoo tracks it might have been the one that was bugged you know that, that had that bug that people were skipping mm-hmm. online and they had to do the patch and everything I'm pretty sure that was a point to point race so it was okay. you know, a, a woohoo island one where you, you could kind of cover it, was, I, it might have been kind of the reverse where you're going up a hill I can't remember but anyway um, it, 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 yeah it was new to that game and they had a, you know, like maybe two or something I forget exactly and then yeah I think the, the Rainbow Road in that game was a point to point race Right, which well. is what they did with the N64. Yeah, they did that with the N64 game. game in this case. But like, the new Rainbow Road from Mario Kart 8 is not. It's it's a traditional lap, uh, three laps. But yeah, so I mean, it's something they're doing now for like a couple of tracks per game. But I, I would love to see more, just because I think it, it was a roaring success. This with Mario Wario, I think it was really, really. Oh good. yeah, that was great. So I think more of that, and the, with the music, the way it is now, it just ties in. It just makes it more exciting. Now, Greg, I'm sure you were a little bit disappointed that uh, the F Zero songs uh, made the cut, which uh, those yeah. were. That was another one that, that Tyler had requested, and uh, right, I just felt yeah. it was too obvious and, and too uh, sure, kind of similar to the he, stuff you already heard. He's so. a really good sort of the jazzy rendition of the Mute City theme, but uh, I would imagine that is the answer to your hint question: is that Mute City is the location that has its own unique because uh, it has the. Uh, duh, from the original F-Zero that's uh, right when you won the race and that was a very pleasant surprise after being surprised by the F-Zero track itself I got surprised by the results music that's really that's a really nice that that is a really nice nod. I really yeah. appreciated that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've got to say, on the subject of the DLC, I was kind of having fun with the whole ethical thing. But uh, I really like the uh, the DLC tracks. They're they're, they're really good. Um, you know, and just it's more tracks. I mean, it's substantial. I mean, that, that is. I mean, I know you could get get sort of cheesed off about the idea of you know not getting the full package when you buy a game up front. But in this case. They've done such a good job of conditioning us as to what to expect from a Mario Kart game that, you know, we don't, I don't feel shortchanged anyway because it's like, well, that's what, you know, you get your four new cups and your four retro cups and that's a Mario Kart game. Well, we got that already and now we're getting more and it's it's good stuff. Well, but and, and when you look at the DLC, it's, it's not like it's uh, Donut Plains 2 after Don't Play One for using the same assets and the same music. I mean, no, each of these new tracks are so distinct. They have their own soundtrack, own personality, sometimes their own rules in the case of uh, F-Zero. Yeah, um, yeah, because they it actually... Just, it's you, so different. The pit lanes actually fill yeah. your coins, and and that means that you actually tend to have more coins. You know, like you, you, you'll probably hit 10 a lot faster, so it actually makes the track faster. And that's a great... 
idea to kind of give it something more of an FCO feel uh, in, in a way that ties into the source material. Really, really good stuff. So I'm really looking forward to the next round of DLC, and I plan on, as a journalist, this is a bad thing to say, but I plan on ignoring as much as I can the coverage of it, because I want to be surprised like I was the first time. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, it, it, it is nice when you get surprised by that kind of thing. There's always just that set, little sense of discovery is you know, about things that seem kind of cool, uh, you know, uh, that is, is, is always pleasant. So, I, I mean, as I'm sure is perhaps the case for you as it is for me, if you've already paid for it, what is the bloody point of finding out about you know it's already you, yeah. you, you're getting it anyway so it's not like it's going to inform right. your decision right uh, I'm moving on to game four which is another Greg request back in my world about time we dispense with all this live instrument nonsense that I clearly have so much disdain for. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this is one of the more modern one of the more modern soundtrack episodes. Yeah, but it, it has been so far. Uh, obviously, I was not familiar with Maricotte, but it fit in very well with that theme, but we needed something to keep up the the, the retro end, and this is it, so uh, consider that, everyone else.
pretty rocking that one. Uh, it's, it's all been up tempo, but that that took it to another level, I think. Uh, well, I've got a bonus slash hint question that could go along with that song, maybe uh, give you another clue as to what this might be. So, this game's title was later given to the final level of which other game made by the same development studio? Now I think there's there's a definite Kirby vibe going on in there. Is that unreasonable to suggest? You know, if I were a better editor, I, I would have prevented you from using this game. Um, <laughs> but I, I was like, you know what? Who else am I going to discuss this game with? No, so, I, I mean... Screw it. We're going to do it. We'll, uh, it. Sure, we'll do two HAL games in one episode uh, you know uh, last time I had the little theme going on with the sort of the square boys and you know uh, they kind of split off and we had you know uh, the front mission gun hazard as well as Final Fantasy <laughs> theatre rhythm and all that so yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 this time I had the HAL theme uh, because like I said this is a really kind of obscure game for some reason uh, it, it, at least to my mind because I've got to be honest I was pretty much completely ignorant of its existence until like the past year even though it's an an early Super Nintendo game but you know which like back then I was pouring over the magazines you know obsessively thinking about you know which games to ask for because they were so damn expensive and all that you know I, I, I thought yeah. I knew a lot of the early uh, Super Nintendo games but I did this one got past me at the time this is a very obscure game um Hyperzone yeah that's and it. I, I think the only reason I knew about it before you suggested is that I'd probably used it on uh, episode of Radio Trivia way, way, way back when it was probably me throwing a dart uh, at a page <laughs> on, on a website and, and, okay, what's this thing over here? Oh, it's made by Al. Okay, let's, let's check this out. 
Um, yeah, so I would describe Hyperzone as somewhere between Space Harrier and Star Fox for the Super Nintendo. It's yeah, somewhere and, and, I mean, in that I, middle ground. I know at the time there was you know the kind of the the usual kind of uh, points of reference was Space Harrier and F Zero because it was using that Mode Seven you know, look uh, for faux three D. You know that that's what F Zero had sort of pioneered that on the Super Nintendo, and it does kind of look. There's certain aspects of the the kind of art that do, that do look quite F Zero like, but um, yeah, it's an it's an interesting uh, game. This one, like I said, I was really oblivious to it for some reason uh, until recently. Uh, and uh, I sort of came across it's not a very good game. It's not a great game. I came across a copy, a Japanese cart of it for very little money. Like it was five pounds, uh, oh, and nice. I, I bundled it in with um, Mr. Driller Drill Land when I was buying some import games. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so I ended up kind of just saying, well, you know, I read up on it. Didn't seem like people thought it was that great, but just you know, having just the sort of—I was so incredulous to how this got past me at the time, and all that kind of you know, sort of bit like Space Area, bit like Star Fox, bit like F Zero. You know, it sounds like my kind of thing. So let's let's give it a go, just see what it's like. And um, yeah, I mean, I think one thing I would say about the gameplay is it would be great if it played as fast as the soundtrack sounds. But it really doesn't, you know. It and it certainly it yeah. does not see it. You know, the sensation has been it's nothing like F Zero at all. Yeah, I mean, I think the F Zero and Space Area both have a really good sensation of speed, quite a powerful one, considering it's you know pretty you know just moving uh, a flat background around. I, I, I still find those quite effective. This it just seems a bit plodding, really. And yeah, you know, the kind of game it is, I think, you know, it's pretty straightforward. So. I recall the enemies being very nondescript. They, they are pretty nondescript, and, you know, it's just, I think you, that's why you need it to feel more like a roller coaster than it does, because that's, like, kind of primarily, you know, the way it would work, and it's just not quite there. I don't know whether HAL just didn't quite have the tech down as well as, you know, uh, Nintendo at that point, or what, uh, because this is actually from HAL's, like, self publishing phase mm-hmm. still. Yep. Same era as Howl's Hole in One Golf. Howl in One Golf, yeah, which, which you've used on Radio Trip. That's the thing. I was kind of when I discovered this game, and I did like the soundtrack. I thought, oh, I wonder, you know, if it's been used on Radio Trivia. And I, kind of, I consulted with the list, but I thought it might have been because you, you've used a lot of Howl games over the years. Uh, uh, because I mean, they usually do have good soundtracks. There's uh, a large reason for that. But the interesting part about Howl's sort of back catalogue, when they, they yeah they weren't just everything was being published by Nintendo is none of that stuff is on the virtual console. Um, which, it strikes me as odd, considering, you know, what could be the rights issue there, you know? Yeah, like, I, I think they just don't think they would sell well. They do have, like, Revenge of the Gator on uh, 3DS. Oh, that's, that's a, true. That, yeah, the game that's Boy, yeah. That, that, that was Hal's own game. Obviously, they did the Pinball Land after, uh, was, mm-hmm. was kind of built on that uh, kind of uh, foundation. But that, I think because it was Kirby, that was... Yeah, I'm going to mention that game every single episode Every episode. episode. <laughs> I haven't actually bought it, but, you know, it's got a great reputation. Uh, but, yeah, that, that, that's true. They did that, so maybe it's just they think, well, that one actually was popular so we'll go with that but then everything else but like the hole in one golf um there was a game on another uh, a game on the super nintendo called arcana that, that, that isn't hmm. on there and there was an interesting one alka which was only released in japan that was actually published by square 
that they made. It's some sort of uh, kind of action RPG-ish sort of thing or something. I'm not really familiar. They, I, there's this whole uh, sort of episode of Hal's past that I'm only really discovering just now. Um, but uh, so I might kind of look into some of these other games one day. But Lolo, Lolo games were at least started. The Eggerland series at least started before Hal yeah, became part of Nintendo. That's so. true as well. I don't. Nintendo might have distributed that, but I don't think so. I think the original Lolo, at least, was published by Hal in America. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. And the thing is, look, I know this is an argument. It's not a very good argument. You could make it about a lot of things, but it's just you know when you get like with the Nintendo with the NES stuff on Virtual Console, every time the a Virtual Console rolls out, you know we get those black box games and. You know, you end up getting Urban Champion and all that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> so it's, it kind of feels like, well, you're right, this is very much an early Super Nintendo game. You're just like, okay, let's just knock something up that kind of utilizes what's special about the system in a phase. But you know, if you can have, like, Urban Champion on there or whatever, yeah, you know. I, I hear you, man. I, you know, you could. You could have, I know it's not a great game, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun little diversion. It's the kind of thing, look. If we'd paid seventy pounds back in 1991 for this, I would not have been happy. But you know, if you pay five quid now, it's it's a nice little diversion. I mean, there's what it's a museum piece. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, from the standpoint of a curiosity, it is a curiosity. It, why not? It, it doesn't cost them much to publish it, and uh, why not throw it out there, even if it doesn't sell that much? You're just just the deeper cuts, you know? They're just not that proud of it, I don't know. But I mean, Maybe. one thing I will say about the game design, it does introduce one wrinkle to the kind of space area type of formula that I think is really quite potentially fruitful, but they never really do that much with it, which is you're in a, a, a sort of ship, but like there's areas on the ground where if you hover over them, it will hurt you. And then there's areas on the ground which are essentially like the pit lanes in F-Zero, hence the, the why it's compared to it so often, as well as just the Mode 7 style, that will heal you. And then what this... Because the thing about Space Harrier, and you could even say this about other sort of similar games, like some of the air, aerial portions of Sin of Punishment 2, or definitely the flight stages of Kid Icarus Uprising, is it just kind of leads you to kind of be constantly going in a circle to avoid enemy yeah. fire. That's all you're just cycling, cycling, cycling over and over again. Now in this you can't really do that because there's portions of the ground that will kill you so it's forcing you into like different areas and you know maybe sometimes you'll be dodging enemies side to side but then other times you'll be dodging enemies up and down and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's, it does actually give it you know sort of more of a level design more of a dynamic feel when things change and you have to pay attention to that as well as paying attention to the enemies and the attack patterns but it just doesn't do anything that interesting with it you know there's a lot of the game that's just feels very knocked up like sort of in a you know, in haste like one of the bosses is basically the face buttons of the super nintendo controller <laughs> <laughs> you know, like awesome. it, 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 and like your bosses are repeated. You know, it's not very long. It's like eight levels, and it's just not a lot to it. But um, the soundtrack I do like a lot. This is uh, John Ishikawa of, of of the duo. You know, this was him. I think it may have actually predated uh, Ando getting there. But um, 
you know, I think there's definitely some sort of recognisable elements, particularly in the sort of the last song. I thought the way it's like, yeah, this this sounds like some some of the Super Nintendo Kirby stuff. And yeah, that, definitely got a superstar vibe on some of that. And that ties into the answer to the bonus slash hint question. So this game's name is Hyperzone, and that was also the name of the final area in Kirby's Dreamland Three, which you know, it's got fittingly was one of the last Super Nintendo games when this was one of the first. Okay, well, I think we've had enough HAL laboratory discussion. That's it, I tell you. There, yeah, there's a lot about HAL that I have not, you know, looked into as deeply as I, I thought I had. You know, there, there's a, some untold yep. stories early on, and of course, given you know, who runs Nintendo all these days, it certainly has an added element of intrigue. So, uh, you know, I would advise anybody to kind of look into these games and the history of them, because uh, it's some interesting stuff. Well, Owl's Hole in One Golf would be uh, a good game by today's standards if it had more than one golf course. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a challenge in those days. <laughs> last game. This is it, the last game for a whole year. It's going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> you can change your mind right now, Greg. We haven't started yet. Oh, no, no. You, I, you indulge me as it is. I won't, <laughs> I won't inflict myself on you any more than the, once a year.
a nice way to get this one underway, I think. Very pretty song. Indeed. song i really do it, it's got this great kind of 
bouncy, flamboyant, kind of southern European sound that reminds me, makes me think a little bit of Fritz Oberon from Game of Thrones and then I think of something quite unpleasant but we won't, <laughs> we won't go into that. Uh, but I, I do have a bonus slash hint question uh, to maybe help anybody that's struggling a bit. So, what is the dual significance of this game's original subtitle?
Well, that's how you end, isn't it? I mean, you know, I'm tempted just to drop the mic and call it a night, but that doesn't really work in an audio show, does it? It'd just be a sort of thud, and then that'd be it. But I'm sorry, when did this become a rock opera? I, I, that is a lot. <laughs> that's all I can say, really. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure if you know this game, you will understand why it has to be so overblown <laughs> but um, yeah this is bravely default for 3DS uh, and uh, to answer the question straight off the bat about the game's original subtitle, uh, so in Japan when it first came out in, in 2012, I think it was, it was uh, Bravely Default Flying Fairy. Uh, and then like there the, was sort of the updated version, which was subtitled for the sequel. Uh, you know, because it basically <laughs> Im- it featured sort of improvements and tidy-ups that I guess they had sort of thought about when developing the sequel, Bravely Second, which is going to come out in Japan in April. Um, and then that version was the one which got localised in the West, where the subtitle was not very... I don't think it was really displayed on the box, but it was Where the Fairy Flies. Um, but the actual dual significance of it, I'll be a little bit coy about because it's spoilery, even though the game's been out for quite a while now. Uh, but basically, you know, they had that title, I think, to first of all sort of convey some kind of connection with Final Fantasy because it is in, in many ways, you know, a, a Final Fantasy game. It's sort of a spiritual successor to the... Um, Four Heroes of Light game that was on DS mm-hmm. and of course it has the job system that's been sure. in certain Final Fantasy games so having that FF in there gave them a chance to sort of highlight those letters and then sort of suggest to people that this game with a rather strange name was uh, somehow connected to Final Fantasy but then also by highlighting those letters they kind of suggest something else about the game's plot uh, which sort of is revealed as it goes on that I, I, I won't go into detail here but uh, that that's your bonus question anyway so yeah this uh, this game is kind of um, you know it, it tends to elicit mixed reactions from people uh, it, it was covered a fair bit on RFN exactly why that would be the case uh, particularly sort of what happens in the second half of the game um, and I sort of very much understand that myself, having played the game to conclusion, which took a lot of time <laughs> to its true conclusion. It took a very long time. It was actually it, it, the only two 3DS games that clocked up more hours in my 3DS are Fire Emblem and Mario Golf. So, you know, and I played them an ungodly amount. Y- you are a beast at Mario Golf, sir. I bloody love Mario Golf. It's great. High five. <laughs> I absolutely love that game. It's, uh, I've played it so much, and uh, I played the old ones a hell of a lot, but it wasn't portable. So now it's just it's, it, well, there was the GBA one, but I did I didn't actually play that until years later. I, I, I just had the console ones uh, when I was sort of growing up and stuff. But uh, now, uh, yeah, I love that game. Brilliant stuff. And you, there, you used that not so long ago. That was another one that had to come off the list. <laughs> but um, you know, with, with oh, come Brent, on, I had to use Mario. Yeah, I, I was expecting it. I I was expecting. I, I really liked it with um, Windy came on and did We Love Golf, like the secret Mary Golf game. Yes. I was desperate, man. I'd, I'd use the ace in the hole. No, it's fair enough. That's great. That's great because I was listening to it and I was going like, this is a Mary Golf game. 
but were they? But TYPs used all the Mario Golf games. It can't be. And then you remember that Capcom published We Love Golf, and it all comes into clarity. But to get back to Bravely Default, you know, there is this second half of the game where there's a lot of repetition. All right, and, and, and uh, that puts a lot of people off um, seeing. The I didn't buy the game partially because of that discussion on RFN. Yeah, I, I don't I, want I, that. you know, it kind of. I had heard some of that before I played it. I didn't. It, it did put me off a little bit, but I kind of felt like, you know what? I if I get through half the game and I've played it for forty hours, I probably would have got my money's worth anyway. So, I you know, if if the second half does nothing for me, I can probably walk away from it and still have have got something out of the game. But as it turned out, I did actually finish the game. Yeah, you know, I did see its ultimate conclusion, and that's some of the reason why I used that final song there. If you couldn't guess. It's from the final boss. Uh, you know, in true JRPG tradition of just a final boss being this preposterously grandiose thing with multiple phases, uh, certainly that uh, song, you know, channels all of that uh, <laughs> into its structure and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I just thought, well, you know, if there's a lot of people that were put off at the idea of going through some of the drudgery that's required to get to that final boss, why not have it for free? Here on, on Radio Trivia. No microtransactions involved, which also was a part of the uh, modified version of Bravely uh, Default. Uh, you could just listen to it here, and uh, it, it's great fun. Are there any other publishers, at least in Japan, and can get away with publishing this sort of semi-sequel, iterative... Maybe Capcom with Monster Hunter. I don't. Yeah, you do get your kind of yeah your, your ultimate version, don't you? They look, obviously they do it with fighting games, but it's like you know Monster Hunter Ultimate is coming out. The fourth one, the ultimate version of that is coming out. Which I mean, I, I first of all, I just don't trust that name. I don't think it is going to be the last uh, Monster Hunter Four. But, you know, I mean, it, it, yeah, the, these things happen with the, the very sort of. Um, popular it's a little bit more surprising with bravely default that you know was kind of trying to branch out a bit more from you know without playing too heavily on the final fantasy name but i think in the end it did do quite well and then maybe a little surprisingly well when it finally was localized using that version that had some of the improvements but you know still the second half of the game there's there's a you know you've got all this repetition and i think the thing that saved it for me why i felt i could still kind of go on was certainly not the plot because it's pretty fluffy it's not it's not very substantive it's it's not terrible some of the voice acting's a bit iffy some of the characterization's a bit iffy it has some interesting elements some of which become more apparent in the second half but that was not enough of a motivating factor for me for me it was really exploring the depths of the job system I mean, some of this is probably... If you were a more veteran RPG player than I am, specifically of this sort of RPG, like a Final Fantasy V, you probably did this earlier in the piece, so it kind of would render... the You you wouldn't get out of the second half while I got out of it. But because I kind of played very conservatively and didn't, like, experiment too much, in the second half, that's what I did. I was really starting to, like, level up different job classes for different characters and try interesting combinations. And by the end, I had some really fun combinations like a character that had the different job abilities uh, so structured in such a way that he did damage equal to the amount of hit points he didn't have 
So <laughs> I would sort of, everyone else would be the sort of sponges and the healers and the magic casters and all that. And he'd be left out to dry. But he had this ability that he could resurrect himself. He had a chance of surviving death, you know, for a start. So he could just come back uh, for, and, and be on one hit point which would instantly make him a killing machine. Uh, or oh, it, Because if he has 5,000 hit points and, yeah, and 4,999 4, damage. Yeah, then he is dealing some <laughs> serious damage. But then he also had the chance that if he did die, he set off this really nasty attack that blew up everything. So you just couldn't lose, really. That's cookie. Just put in some of these sort of higher level abilities that you get for mastering a job together in combinations and then combining them with the different party members. I really felt like I finally got my hands around it by the end. Uh, And so I kind of just seeing what I could do with these abilities kind of made like some of the repeated battles more palatable because they weren't so repeat. I was fighting them in a very different way. I was before. Now, like I said, if you were like were more canny about what you were doing the first time round, I'm not sure you would have got that out of it. So I can understand why a lot of people kind of hit a wall with it, um, you know. But um, in the end, you know, I finished it. I didn't feel like it was time completely wasted. You know, maybe just, just some of it. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I, the music was definitely something that helped me get into the game because, like I said, the story didn't really do that. The artwork's very nice. Uh, and all that it, it, it's, a, it's a good looking game but the music helped bring some of that atmosphere and it, it's kind of an interesting case music wise because you know when you think of Square RPGs you, know, you think of some of those composers that I used on last year's episode that I did and all that but this was quite different so in this case they actually brought in a sort of a, 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 a pre-existing kind of musical group uh, headed up by uh, this chap called Revo and it's kind of it's a Japanese kind of prog symphonic rock metal band or something, you know, and they brought him in to, to write this music for it. And so I think, you know, the, the kind of instrument set that you're getting is just kind of what he does anyway, to a large extent, even though there's, there's some of it that feels very kind of right for this kind of game, especially some of the kind of the Celtic stuff, the flute and all that, that that's quite strong in it. But I think it's just kind of the big instrument set that he works with anyway so I guess he's quite well suited but um, you know so it's got some of that classic RPG flavour you know they're clearly going for like certain victory fanfares and all that kind of thing will make you think of Final Fantasy but it's it's got more it does have more of its own identity too which I guess is fitting considering you know that's what they wanted Um, not calling it Final Fantasy Guide or whatever but I mean it kind of it does come out of that that four here is a light game but that was developed by matrix software who did all the remakes like three and four on the ds whereas this is directed by uh, silicon studio who made 3d dot game heroes and kind of a middleware company so there's a lot about it that's actually quite different even though it's you've know, got this central kind of classic rpg structure and i like the brave and default battle system sort of intertemporal substitution of turns is, is quite good and uh, you know, get some clever stuff going so I mean I was pleased with the whole package but certainly felt that there was very much room for improvement and so I'm intrigued by the sequel definitely you know, that perhaps this time you know having got the basics down a bit more that they'll be able to sort of you know, maybe do more things with the scenario and the battles and all that that, that that can fill a game of what is 
apparently an acceptable length for an RPG, which I don't really understand why they're so preoccupied with it having to be so quote-unquote epic. When but Greg, <laughs> recycling content is part of the briefly default tradition. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. I know they can be very conservative about this sort of thing. And, and it isn't going to be like a lot of Final Fantasy sequels in that, you know, it will continue the story from the first game. You know, it will bring characters back. It, it was sort of, it was teased in the ending for the first game, which had this sort of weird... Um, kind of AR, AR kind of movie at the end of it uh, that teased the second game so you know it's gonna if, I guess if you did enjoy the plot of the first one which I can't say is I, I did all that much uh, you know that you've got that sort of coming back so maybe they will feel that they owe it to you know kind of be faithful to the first game I don't know but there's, there's certainly some things that they shouldn't be um, but you know uh, it, bottom line I got a lot out of the game. Um, I definitely don't think I ever would have stuck with it if it wasn't portable. I mean, you know, like, I, I did, I've never been very good at completing RPGs. Um, you know, and, but something like Xenoblade, I completed, even though it was an RPG that was very long on a console because of the journey. And, you know, I did kind of like the plot in that. It wasn't watertight, but there was, there was things I liked about it and stuff. This one, if it had been on a console, I just couldn't have justified, you know, coming back to it that many times I, I, but but as portable we could sneak in a bit of action here there it's easier to sort of leave at a certain point or do it very gradually it was over a period of months that I was doing this um, you know I, I kind of I, I was able to get there in the end so that's I guess part of why portables are so popular on portables uh, so RPGs are so popular on portables is that they do, they, you know, they, they do work better uh, and of course you know just the whole uh, synchronicity with Japan's market of course alright well we gotta wrap things up here this is one of the longest episodes uh, I think on the books so yeah uh, yeah it's, it's pretty long but you know also just some of the song choices as well didn't help that in this case it wasn't just it wasn't just me prattling although a lot of it was too much of it really but we all know you knew that you know what you sign up for at this point I know what I'm signing up for here and I I don't just mean you I mean the listeners as well Uh, you know I I assume they've heard previous years episodes I've been on at least once every year since 2008 now so oh god that's (laughs) it's so scary the thing. We're old. We, we are. Well, I'm very old. I'm older than I look, and I look pretty damn old. Oh, dear. Well, um, at least my Twitter handle is still young. Uh, <laughs> that's right. I have, a twi- I, have a, I have a Twitter handle now, guys. Uh, uh, Johnny, after years of uh, tormenting me... Uh, well, not really, but he finally talked me in the Twitter account. Prodding. Yeah. Prodding, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I am at Younger Plumber. One word. Uh, just as you would expect it to be spelled, and uh, you can look forward to me not tweeting very much. Uh, I feel, Based I feel, on my meverse, I feel more alone than ever. Yeah, you're the only one left, Greg. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm pretty confident. I'm not. But we're all invisible, so we feel like the only ones left. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I haven't been using meverse so much either lately. But you know, maybe I'll put the DDD to a time up or something just for a laugh. Does is this good? Thoughts? Yes. Echo. No? Echo. Echo. <laughs> <laughs> you have a Twitter account. 
Greg, you can post it on there and see yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then no one could respond to it on there as well, yeah. So, <laughs> no, but you see, the thing is, people could just make it up on there, couldn't they? Whereas with me versus oh, you can post true. the screenshot. There, so there's no authenticity, it's there's legit. no uh, integrity it's, it, checking. It's fully you know, <laughs> credentialed or whatever, yeah. But, uh, so, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to publicize this five podcast using that Twitter feed to some extent. I don't know when it would really reach other people that it wouldn't have reached anyway, but nope. uh, if it reaches one person that it wouldn't have otherwise reached, it's a good thing because it's a damn good show. And, oh, you know, it's, thank you. It's been going. Thank you for putting together this show because you did about 98% of the work here. Once a year. That's either, I guess it's pretty much stuck at January now. I've got, I can't pinch any more months. It's going to have to be a whole year of Nintendo soundtracks are gonna collect up and I'm gonna be biting my nails towards the end like oh is this choice gonna survive Tropical Freeze was so close oh <laughs> but you know you, you put Busted by you in the background so it's okay that song's yeah. so great oh. you can't fit them all in I try you, you can't oh god that is enormous as you mentioned it's enormous soundtrack so much of it's good to talk about spoil for choice I hope we get more stuff like that in 2015 and uh, we've got some some good chances think about Star Fox and more Kirby and Zelda even I'm I'm not really buying that that's going to turn up but we've got another good feel soundtrack with Yoshi's Woolly World so (sighs) you know it's going to be good stuff will it survive till next year if you if listeners if you request uh, Yoshi's Woolly World by uh, writing to typ at nintendoworldreport.com I will find you and do something Liam Neeson-ish to you <laughs> I'm not going to accept that I have to do Yoshi alright I'm calling it now I'm reserving well, it now hold well, on a second Greg by, by saying this you know that I, I can't really use it because everyone will know <laughs> well, I mean, if I use it when you're on, they'll just know that you're going to use that. Thing. That is true. That's the thing. I'm going to make no one use it for a year and then not use it myself now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, yes. you got to wait three years and people forgot. <laughs> then this. they'll go, oh, wow. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> okay. That's it. That's more than uh, enough for 12 months. Head games. Let's get out of here. Good night, everyone. Thank you for having me on TYP. Good night, everybody. Until 2016.
Mr. Driller, Drill Land is copyright 1999 2002 Namco. Kirby Triple X is copyright 2014 HAL Laboratory Nintendo. Mario Kart 8 is copyright 2014 Nintendo. Hyperzone is copyright 1991 HAL America. Bravely Default is copyright 2012 2014 Square Enix. Are any of us journalists, though? I mean, even people, you know, are working the site. All right, all right. I'm going to cut all this shit out. Anyway, <laughs> we, we got to move on to. <laughs> You're fired. Yeah.